Well, let's dive in. We're at um, the point in James where we are at chapter 3. It's one of the most, I would say, famous uh, passages that James has. If you would like a Bible, um, I'm just going to ask a couple of guys to help me out. Um, just raise your hand. Uh, Patrick will get you one. Jim will get you one. Raise your hand if you'd like a Bible. One of our Bibles, they're worn out, and it's because they, all of our Bibles should be worn out, right? Um, we should be using them up and, and really going through them, so keep your hand up until you get one. And uh, you're going to turn to chapter 3 of James. We're going to start with verse 1 in just a minute. And um, anybody else? Keep going. Yep. If you so like, you can actually open up to the front cover of, that, of our Bibles and you can jot your name down, put the date next to it, let us know that you've been in there and walking through this with us. Um, how many of you guys loved math class when you were in school? Stop it. That's just, oh my goodness. Yeah, I mean, there's like always one person. I told you they're, they're worn out, Jim. Um, but how many of you loved word problems? Seriously? Oh my gosh. They're the worst. They're the worst. Like, they just seem so, like, not real. But uh, I was looking up, so I've got a few word problems and some not word problems. But um, this first one, let's try to figure this out. This is about Juanita. So Juanita wants to give bags of stickers to her friends. She wants to give the same number of stickers to each friend. She's not sure if she needs four bags or six bags of stickers. How many stickers could she buy so there are no stickers left over? That is not a real math problem. That's not, you can't solve that. But literally someone wrote that. That's so wrong. Like, Okay, you know what, Hannah? I love it. Like, yes, probably. Let's go to Tom. Tom, man, Tom's got to get the chores done. So Tom has completed five-eighths of the house chores and four-sevenths of the yard chores. What fraction of all the chores has Tom done? Here's the answer. Don't care, all right? I don't care. Like, seriously, think about it. Like, who does this? Like, you're working down the house and like, oh, you know what? I'm about five-eighths of the way done. No one does that. And then no one wonders later how many, what fraction am I done now? Like, is it done or not? Oh, all right, now this one you have to play along. <laughs> this one you have to play along. Oh, no, this is just a good, more of a famous one. If I have 10 ice cubes and you have 11 apples, how many pancakes will fit on the roof? Purple, because aliens don't wear hats. And all of our Chinese friends are going to take a snapshot of that. You should and be like, wow, that makes no sense. It doesn't make sense in English or any language. But this is just a kind of a famous internet word problem just to basically say they never make sense. All right, this one you have to play along with. Uh, think of a number between 0 and 20. Did you do it? Okay, add 32 to it. Okay, you there? All right, now multiply by 2. You there? All right, now subtract one from that. All right, now, do you have that number in your head? Okay, now close your eyes. Isn't it dark? All right, that, see, there's no point. All right, now let's go. <laughs> Speaking of dark, um, this is not, this is not a, a word problem, but it's kind of a joke you can use at a party. Outside of a dog, a book is a man's best friend, but inside of a dog, it is too dark to read. All right? <laughs> Guys, that's so good. That is quality right there. Um, everyone was like taking notes and they're like, I'm stopping right now. I'm over this guy. Oh my gosh. Well, here's the thing about James, uh, James 3, is that James says that we have a word problem. 
and the word problem is pretty intense. You know, we all have heard the phrase, don't let your words come back to haunt you. And that's a thing that we, we live with, but man, so often we actually do have words that haunt us. I think some of us have wished to be able, we wish that we could take back some words that we maybe said to family um, years ago. Um, maybe we've uh, said things to our spouse or our kids and really feel that weight even now. Um, we've all said those types of things. But I, I really believe that if you were to kind of net it out, I feel like most of the room here wants to be a person that has integrity with their words. Like, we, would, we want to have our word count for something and have value. That when we say something, you know, it means something, right? Most of us, I think, are there. I mean, nobody really wants to be known to be a guy that's not of his word. And the problem is that we just feel like we fall short so often. And it's almost like there's a battle inside of us. There's this battle between us wanting to use words of life, like my wife Sarah says all the time, well, those words of life, words of life, and then the, the other side of us, which is like, you know, it's just hard sometimes to, to just always have a rein on our words. And, and we fall short so, so many times. And, and with that, um, there's some reasons, I think, why. I was trying to think about, like, why do we just say some really hurtful things sometimes? And why are we just not so careful with our words? And I think there's a couple of reasons. I mean, there's probably more. But, you know, one that I think of is that we, we just, um, we're just kind of lazy, right? We just, we just kind of get lazy with our words, and we just kind of say them, and we don't really think about what is behind them. And, uh, and so we just get a little bit lazy. And then the other thing is that I think we're just too quick to respond sometimes. You know, we just, we have like a quick comeback, or we have, you know, somebody kind of like says something that you disagree with, and you have a quick comeback in an argument or whatever. And the reality is that at all the same time, when everyone is being quick to respond or lazy, it's just chaotic, you know, it's just very chaotic. And, and this is how rumors are started, right? This is how um, actions maybe are explained and misunderstood, and there's manipulation. I mean, have you, anybody ever been manipulated with words of someone? Hello. Um, this is how feelings are hurt, how promises are made, promises are broken. It's how... Um, whole relationships can be severed through our words. And in our culture, I mean, it's even worse than that. Like, James is pretty, it's pretty intense, but it's worse um, than that, just our words, because it's not just what we say through our mouth, it's what we say through our thumbs when we're texting someone. Just this, this week alone, I probably texted someone and then deleted it and didn't send it and then redid it, and then deleted it, and then redid it two or three times before I felt like, okay, I'm pretty sure that this gets my point across, and, and it doesn't get misconstrued. And, and it's how we reply on social media, and what we like, and what we dislike, and, and that's a thing. And then guys like Cam Newton, they, they lose their endorsement deals because of what he said. Or the president gets roasted over a tweet that he posts. And it's all coming out of thumbs, not necessarily just your mouth. Um, I think the biggest problem with the, our word problem is that, you know like when that Tom one, like 
five-eighths of the house chores, seven or whatever. It's like, okay. But if you use the wrong function to solve the word problem, you're going to get it wrong, right? So if you're supposed to add and you multiply instead, you're, you're a mess. You're, like, you're going to get some crazy answer. And so I think that part of our problem is that we, we don't really understand the word problem and what it's all about and why and the source of it. And not only do we not understand that, but we don't know the, what the, where the solution might be. Like, we're not sure, should we add or subtract, multiply, divide? You know, are we finding a lead, you know, common denominator here? What are we doing? And I, I think that that's part of the issue. And if you listen today, if you listen to, to me, and I, we may not know each other, I, I hope you give me just a few minutes. You didn't know what we were going to be talking about today, um, but I hope you give me a few minutes that if you listen today, what you're going to find is by the end of this message, you're going to understand what the problem really is and where the solution is found. You see, James isn't actually introducing this concept of our word problem in chapter 3. He introduced it in chapter 1 just a few weeks ago. Maybe you guys remember it. In James 1.26, he said, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Your religion is worthless. See, all throughout up until this point, we've been focusing on the fact that James is driving home the idea that real faith in Jesus results in right living, that right believing, orthodoxy, automatically moves us to orthopraxy, right living, Right believing in the saving faith that is real and true and what Abraham was referred to last week and Rahab was referred to. When that real faith is what is inside us and what we have, then all of a sudden it just automatically turns into orthopraxy. It turns into a trip to Florida, right? It turns into a big old box of pasta on the back of a truck. It turns into a truck stop ministry, just a, a stone's throw from here. It turns into a Love Monia event, where that stemmed from, I'll tell you right now, that stemmed from all the churches in Monia getting together, and we said, you know what we're tired of doing, is we're tired of doing holiday events that just give a bunch of candy, a bunch of kids, and there's really very little Jesus. But we want to do something that really hits the felt needs of the people that we're trying to reach. And so Love Monique comes out of that desire to put action to our faith. So I'm going to tell you right now that we need to pray because this is a mouthful, if you will. All right? Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, right now for your presence in this room. Holy Spirit, Lord, I invite you into the room, and I pray, God, that all my friends would too, into our hearts to show us, Lord, what it is that we need to see here that's new for us. Maybe in a passage that we've read many times, maybe in a passage that we like to kind of like put off in a dark corner, but Lord, I pray that your spirit would come in, that the struggle we walked in with would be left behind. Lord God, the issue that is really at top of mind, Lord God, that it would just be kind of wrapped in your arms and, and held for a second so we can hear your voice. And so God, we thank you for that in Jesus' name, amen. So James chapter three, verse one says this. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. 
When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships for, as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it is, makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Let's take a pause right there. So first, James kind of highlights this idea that y'all shouldn't really seek to be a teacher. And in here, I would say that, you know, based on the context is he's and who he's writing to, he's probably not just talking about professional teachers. Back in his day, it was very common in a synagogue or in a public place that people from the community could stand up and begin to speak about new ideas. Um, you'll see the Apostle Paul, not the Apostle Paul, but the Apostle Paul. Uh, you have to be here last week. Um, the, you'll see the Apostle Paul will actually take advantage of this actual um, custom where he'll be able to get up and speak before people because that's just a thing. And the Greeks were always like, man, I want to hear new ideas. And Paul got that, that platform. So here James is saying, y'all shouldn't really be uh, just trying to stand up and, and just kind of show off about what you know because there's an underlying truth about being a teacher, and that is that a teacher practices what they preach. And so the, there's going to be a little bit of a stricter judgment for teachers. It's kind of a sobering thought as I stand here teaching today. Um, then he says, hey, we all stumble in various ways, which I love the fact that he kind of wraps his arm around the community there, and he kind of says, we all stumble. You know, we all fall short. And even him, you know, the leader of the, the Jerusalem church, early church, he's saying we all stumble in some ways. Um, but then he moves into this, like, three illustrations, and he talks about, um, what is he, he talks about a bit and a horse, right? I think we have a picture of that where it just, I think visuals are helpful, right? So, I mean, this horse could really ruin you if it kicked you. Um, but man, if you have that bit in the, in the horse's mouth, you're able to, to pull that horse where you would like to direct it. It's a big deal. Um, and then second, there's this idea of a rudder on a ship, which is very, very small, but the, the ship is massive and, and it's steered and the whole ship is moving um, according to that rudder, which is a big deal. And then... Um, we know that he mentions the forest and a spark and how one little spark could create a forest fire that would just desolate an area and, and really burn it to the ground. And so the idea here is that your tongue is powerful. It's small, but it's powerful. Everybody say, everybody say powerful. So the question, I have a series of questions for you to ask today if you want to tackle these this week. The first one is this. How can I respect and leverage the power of my words. James is telling you, your words are powerful. How can I respect and leverage the power of my words? Let's keep reading. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the par parts of the body. Now, this is, this, James is getting down here, man. I mean, he is starting to go crazy because now it's a world of evil. It's not just small and powerful, but it's a world of evil. It corrupts the whole body uh, it's, it's infectious. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Wow. James. Lighten up, man. Holy cow. And then he says, all kinds of animals, birds and reptiles and sea creatures and are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. 
but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Man, this guy is just really down on, on our words and our tongue. Now, before we dive into this little portion, um, I don't know if anybody else, if you noticed this, but this was written, you know, quite a while ago, right? And James, he's saying that there's been all kinds of animals that have been tamed, you know, like sea creatures that have been tamed. And I'm kind of thinking to myself, really? Like, James, like, let's talk about that a minute. Like, what, what sea creatures do you mean? I mean, is there, was there dolphin research back then? I feel like there wasn't. I don't know, maybe you can help me out afterwards, let's have a conversation, but I was thinking about taming a sea creature, the only thing I can think of is Aquaman, like riding a seahorse, you ever seen that photo, like that image, no, you should, I mean, like that one, like that's like, I feel like maybe that's what he's mentioning, I don't know, like Aquaman is supposedly thousands of years old, I think, so maybe, but that's the most like nerdy cartoony one I could find, um, but no, really, like, what he's saying to us here is that our words are out of control. Our words are out of control. They're wild. Not only are they wild, but they're infectious. They're, they're, they, they, they infect, and they're poison. And he says they're lit on fire. Our, our words, our tongue is lit on fire by hell. The word that he's using there is actually Gehenna, and it's a, it's a valley that he's referring to that's south of Jerusalem. And in that valley, if you refer back to, Jer- to Jeremiah, there were human sacrifices in this valley. And, and during his day, it's where everybody threw their garbage, and the garbage was on fire constantly. So it's a, it's a reference to that particular place, that this is, this is your, your tongue, your words are actually based on, energized, and come from a pit, from a valley of garbage. Like, wow, James, like, you are really intense, man. And this is what he's saying. Um, Basically, reread it if you want, basically, nobody can tame the tongue. He's saying it's impossible. And it's like, this is why we write this part of the book off, right? Because, like, great. I have, no, I have no chance. Never. I can't do it. And so we, we understand that our words are powerful, but here we see that our words are out of control. So the question, the second question I give you is this, is how can I get my words under control? How can I get my words under control? Let's keep reading. Verse 9, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praises and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So here we understand like, the the progression is that our words are powerful, our words are out of control, and now we're going to see that he's saying that our words are inconsistent. 
And for us, man, we praise God around here. I mean, one of the things that we're known for is like the music, man. We love it. I mean, just hours and hours and hours. This band, anybody that's up here, hours and hours of time putting into music. So why? So that we could praise God and we could worship God because we need to re-energize that way every single week, if not more often. And we do that. And we believe in that. And we put our effort into that. And yet, man, some of us leave here after a great time worshiping God and then we are dropping curse words. We're cursing other people. We're using words of death and not words of life. And James is saying this should not be. And even in the word cursing, it's, it's actually so powerful of a word in the Greek is that it's actually wishing, wishing evil on someone. And maybe sometimes it's the words that we use that, that really caused that to be a thing. And, and so this comparison between, you know, the fig and the grapevine and, and the olive and all that stuff, it really echoes back. And one of the key, I think, unique, unique pieces of this series for us is really relating James back to his brother, his half-brother, Jesus, and understanding what Jesus said, because James echoes Jesus all over the place. In Luke 6, verse 43, Jesus said something very similar to what we just read. He said, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. And then we think about the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, where Jesus says, let your yes be your yes and your no be your no, and leave it at that. But be people of your word. Don't go back on it. Don't be inconsistent. And we see all this And we feel it, right? We feel this because it starts to read our mail, meaning that we start to see ourselves in the scriptures and how we fall short. And then he says in that last passage, and nobody can really tame the tongue. So this portion about this idea that our words are inconsistent or double-minded, the challenge question really is this, how can I be intentional with my words? Rather than just being wild, rather than ignoring their power, how can I be intentional with my words? And now these three questions and these ideas now start to rush in. Let's just feel it for a second. Our tongue is small but powerful. How can I respect and leverage the power of my words? It's filled with evil and poison. Great. How can I get my words under control? Um, Our words are inconsistent with our faith, and how can I be intentional with my words? Hmm. You see, it even gets more complicated than this, because I I just love overcomplicating it, but actually just trying to call it out and call it for what it is. Because right now, what we've said is, it's not just the words we say, but it's the things that we post on social media as well, and the things that we text people. But it even gets worse because here's the thing. It's not just what you say, it's how you say it. So let's just have an example really quickly. There's a, there's a phrase that I'm going to use to explain this to you so you guys get it like that. All right? This is the phrase. I didn't say you had an attitude problem. All right? I'm going to read it three different ways. You tell me what I actually am saying. All right? I didn't say that you had an attitude problem. What am I saying? Somebody else did right? How about this way? I didn't say that you had an attitude problem, but I thought it and I meant it, right? 
Um, how about this? I didn't say that you had an attitude problem. You got a couple problems, but it wasn't an attitude problem. Yeah, so now the problem becomes that it's not only what we say, it's how we say it. Oh, this is like pile on, man. And, and I love this kind of, it's kind of a definition of grace or a way to explain it. I love it because it's, it's this idea that uh, grace doesn't change what you say. Grace changes how you say it. And even just a few um, connections after the first service, you know, that really spoke, this piece right here, between spouses, between parents and kids, I mean, it may be that you don't disagree with what's being said, but how it's being said is what is really, really rough. So we're faced with these, this stuff, and um, we come back to the fact that uh, we're often lazy, we're often just really quick to respond we read something like this, it'll be on our mind for a little while and then it kind of goes away. And at the, at the core, I really just want to be able to say whatever I want to say. I mean, has anybody ever been on the receiving end of that where it's like, you know, I'm just, can I just unload on you right now? You know, I just, I just have some things that I've been feeling and I just feel like I should just tell you and I just, can I just unload? And then like, 20 minutes later, like, you're just, like, uh, like curled up in the fetal position crying, right? And you're like, what just happened? Anybody been there? I, those are, I look forward to those conversations. Those are just amazing. Like, I feel so good. Um, but that's kind of, I mean, it's America, man. Like, we can, it's America, free speech. We can speak whatever we want. Our word problem is real. Our word problem is real. I think that James is speaking truth and I think that if I were to hang out with James, I would say, did you mean that it's really impossible on our own strength? Is it possible to tackle our word problem in some way? If we knew a little bit, like if we just had like the algorithm, you know, that we needed for the word problem to solve it, could we, could we maybe figure it out? And so in Luke 6, I read verses 43 and 44, but I didn't read verse 45. In verse 45 of Luke 6, Jesus tells us where the answer is and the problem. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his what? His heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Hmm. Gotta love Jesus, right? He is speaking the truth. He's saying and giving you some backdrop, some, some backstory on why it is an evil thing and why James would write what he would write in chapter 3 because what is coming out of our mouths is coming out of the fullness of our heart. Now, we know where the problem is. The problem isn't the words you're using. The problem is your heart. The problem is what's in here, guys. Like, we need to understand this this morning. This is where, if there's a Holy Spirit moment, this is it. There is um, a, a pattern throughout Scripture, but also in our lives, where um, just a few weeks ago, right, I, I asked, the, uh, started off the message by asking you this question, like, 
if we were hanging out at Starbucks and I asked this question like, hey, what type or what kind of person are you? What would you tell me? That would be a weird question maybe to kick things off, but, you know, what, what kind of person are you? And you could describe yourself, you know, different things and all that stuff. But I think that God and Jesus throughout this process, and even James, is, is saying, hey, what type of person are you? And let me just illustrate what I mean by that. So if there is a uh, boat up here, imagine, a boat up here that's made out of steel, and a boat over here that's made out of wood. Very simple understanding. What type of boat is this? It's a steel boat. And what type of boat is this? A wood boat. Done. Right. But God, in, even in, in uh, Scripture, in the New Testament, there's this idea in the Greek where it's not just what type. That's not the intent. That's, I think that as really like those that pursue Jesus leaders and really wanting to get the most. We need to not just ask the, the good question, we need to ask the better question. And here's the better question. Now, what if I were to tell you that this is a steamboat and this is a sailboat? I would ask you, how is this boat powered? Steam, coal. And how is this boat powered? By the wind. So there's this idea that it's not just what kind of Boat, are you steel or wood? What kind of boat are you? Meaning, what animates you? What brings the energy to the table? What motivates you? And when you understand this idea, what James is getting at, and what Jesus is saying is what is animating you is what, and your words, is what's in your heart. So if you want to, you can leave today and be like, well, Joe said, gosh darn, I'm going to just try harder. I don't know why you're all of a sudden from Alabama, but you, you're, you're going to say, on my own steam, I am going to just try harder and use good words. Good luck. Or you could say, you know what I'm going to do is I am going to surrender my mouth to the Holy Spirit. And I am going to be, what did it say? I'm going to be slow to speak, quick to Listen. I am going to let the wind, the Holy Spirit, power my sails. And when I need to, I'll speak. And when I don't need to, I won't. And I'm going to be careful with the words that I say. Will I screw up? Absolutely. But you're going to screw up a lot less with the power of the Holy Spirit backing you than you will on your own steam. Are you going to try to run on your own steam sometimes? Yeah. But man, the Holy Spirit, that every time that you're able to make a good choice in an argument, in a conversation, in a discussion like that you're having, the, these are going to be things that you're going to start to see. Man, I can begin to understand what Jesus is saying. Will we be perfect? James is like, you're, that person is perfect. If they can completely have it all figured out with their mouth. But man, do we have a God that is big enough to help us in this area. Absolutely. There is um, a person I was talking to, um, uh, Pam, she just went to, uh, I think she's cool with me sharing this story. Sorry, Pam. But uh, she just went to uh, Navy boot camp. And she said, she, she told me her story uh, a few weeks ago and about her, when she, uh, right before she got saved, she was just, she just cussed all the time. Can you, if you guys know Pam, you're like, what? Like, no, no way. But she, I mean, every other word was an F-bomb. It's just and she's like, it was just part of my vocabulary. And she got saved, and she gave her heart to Jesus, and she knew, she knew that that was wrong and that she needed that to stop. And so she prayed one night and said, God, take it away. 
Like, I, just take it away from me. And, and she surrendered it to God. The next morning, she woke up and she hasn't said it, anything like that, since that day. God is powerful enough to influence how we're saying things when the Holy Spirit has, has a say in our hearts. Are you guys down? So let's get practical with this, and then we'll wrap up because it's 12. Um, Proverbs 4. Um, this will be a passage that I really think that you guys should, should kind of like marinate in this week. But Proverbs 4, starting in verse 20, is really, really helpful. It says this, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words and do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your what? Your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Stop right there. There is so much parallel between this, those few verses and what we read in James. First of all, James says that words bring death. This is saying that the words bring life. And James said that our tongue will light our entire body on fire, our whole life on fire. This is saying it brings health. God's words bring health to one's body. And the heart is where Jesus was talking. Keep my words in your heart. That, if you're full of my words, you're going to speak from that. And then he says, above all else, guard your what? Your heart. Why? Because everything you do flows from that place. Let's keep going. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. This is very practical, trying to say, like guide it, right? Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left and keep your foot from evil. Man, I want you to, to, to just kind of stick with that passage this week. And then secondly, in Proverbs 17, it kind of reflects this idea that James has where it talks about be quick to listen, slow to speak. This passage says, the one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. Ooh. And whoever has understanding is even-tempered. Slow to anger. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. So how do we apply a few of these passages? Number one, invest the word of God into your heart every day. If you don't have a habit of just, I mean, there's a proverb, 1 through 31. What's today? Today's the 8th? Is it it's the 8th? So read Proverbs 8 today. And then just keep going. Proverbs 9 tomorrow, 10. And you're going to get to the end of this month. And then you can start over in November. And, and just start there. And, and begin to pour the, the word of God into your heart. It said, hold my words close to your heart. Number two, maybe this week you're going to focus on slowing down the words. Just to be, you know what, God? Give me some patience. Help me to think before I speak. And maybe I don't need to say anything. I just need to be. And I think this is something we can do. The third thing is that we can do this um, during worship, is we can actually just say, God, I surrender it. Many of you um, in this room have chosen to follow Jesus in his teachings, to give over your life to him. But we kind of, we all, it's just a process, right? We work out our salvation. 
every day. And maybe in this area, man, our tongue is the one thing that we just haven't really let go of. And so I challenge you when we sing these, these songs, don't let them be songs that turn into lies. Let them be words that you just come from your heart. But maybe before, and I'll pray, but before we sing, what we need to do is just say, Holy Spirit, change us. Cleanse our heart. Help us to have your word there and not ours. You know, um, a lot of times I will write my message word for word. Um, Not usually, um, but there's times when I write it word for word. But most of the time, I would say that I kind of have an outline that I'm kind of following. Some things that kind of like remind me of, of the, like the zone I need to stay in. And the reason is because I, when you go into a conversation and you don't know what you're going to say, that's a great time to pray, all right? And to say, Holy Spirit, I need you to give me some words. Because I do it every Sunday, every Saturday night. I'm, I'm leaving space in my notes for God to speak through me. Why? Because my words don't matter. My words don't matter, guys. The, the words of God are what change you. And so if I can allow him to speak through me, that's what will change you. That's what changes me. I was cracking up. I never listen to my own message. Like, we have it on the website. I hate my voice, so I don't listen. And um, I'm, I listened to one this week. And I'm like, I don't remember saying that. I'm really challenged right now. Like, I had to like, I need to take some notes because I don't remember saying that. And guys, when you're in, you know you're walking into a a heated room to have a conversation, man, pray before you go in and say, God, I don't know what I'm going to say, but maybe that might be the best because the Holy Spirit can speak through you. Man, the best time for us to just really focus on him, his words, and what we're saying is when we worship him. And so uh, why don't you guys stand and let's worship. Heavenly Father, man, you, you're such a loving God. You're such a loving God. Lord, you know, and James tells us how incredibly challenging our word problem is. And God, I pray right now as we sing to you that our praises would be true. And Lord, Holy Spirit, we invite you in and we surrender our mouths to you, our tongues, our words to you. Lord, we surrender to you, God. And we want to sing these songs out of a heart of truth, in spirit and in truth, God. We want that. Lord, I pray that my friends and I, Lord God, would just seek to surrender to you in the next few moments. And may we be changed because of it. In Jesus' name. Are the things that we're saying bringing life to a situation? Are they bringing death? And I think it's important to ask the question because I think when we ask the question, we're discovering truth. So if we can stop ourselves for a moment and we can say to ourselves, okay, is what I'm saying life-giving? And I'm going to challenge you to take it beyond just what you're going to say to someone else, but what are you saying to yourself? What are the words that you're telling yourself? Are they life-giving? Because if you're not giving life, and we know from scripture that we read in Proverbs that that life comes from God's word. So what God says about me is life-giving. So are the things that I'm telling myself the things that God says about me? And then when I say those things to myself and I figure out who I am in Christ, I have something to give that is life-giving. 
If I'm trying to use my own words, if I'm trying to um, fix a conversation by giving people words of wisdom, and they're my words of wisdom, this thing's going south, folks. But when we can realize that the words of life come from Him, and the things that we say are His words, then we have somewhere to go. Um, Isaiah chapter 6, let's see if I can get the screen to go back here. Um, Isaiah has a vision, and um, he's seeing the seraphim, and he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. I, I can't be here. And one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Do you realize that Jesus finished that for us in the New Testament? Isaiah was seeing a picture of what Christ was wanting to do for us. He's redeemed us. He's taken away our guilt. Our words are his words. They need to be life-giving words. So I'm going to pray that as we go into this week, that we just filter the conversations, that we filter the things that we want to say, and we ask, God, are these life-giving words? Am I changing the atmosphere around me? Am I changing circumstances and situations because of the things I say? Now, that's not to say that there aren't times that we need to say something that might be hard, but it's life-giving. It should never burden someone. It should never bring them down. It might need to change. There might need to be conversations. The words that we say might need to bring about a change of behavior, but it's always life-giving. When I talk to my children and I need to change their behavior, I don't tell them how terrible a person they are and berate them. I say, okay, let's think about this a minute. Did you hear how you said that? Do you know the heart behind why you told me that? That's how the Father wants to speak to us. He's not beating us down and saying, no, you're terrible. He's saying, no, I want to change you from the inside out. I want to change your words. So Father, we just pray that this week, that our words become submitted to you, that our tongue comes under your control, that small little rudder that's steering the ship and taking it places. We pray that we would allow you control of that, that we would choose life-giving words this week, that the things that we say bring people to a closer understanding of who you are because they've had a conversation with us. We pray that even if there's tough conversations that need to be had, that we would allow your Holy Spirit to give us the words to speak so that we bring life to the situation and not death. We thank you because we know that you're at work in us and that you want to do that redeeming work in our heart. And we give you permission today to have that place in us. And it's in Jesus' mighty and precious name that we ask it. Amen. Amen. Hey, before you guys head out, um, we always want to equip and resource you for the week because what happens after today and after this moment matters. And so um, we've got a few things that uh, we wanted you guys to have. Um, so this will be up for a little bit so you can write it down or take a picture or whatever. But these are the passages we hit today and, and some challenges to go a little deeper with it. And then the first day is actually a new um, one that we didn't cover and so in Psalm 19. So you guys, we wanted to just allow you guys to really grow this week. And uh, I challenge you to go through that this week. And uh, love you guys. Have a great week. And we'll see you next time.